It's a highway to heaven, and none can walk up there but the pure in heart. It's a highway to heaven, I'm walking up the King's Highway. King's Highway. 
unworthy, but he chose to die for me anyway. Amen. Amen. We're thankful to be here tonight. Amen. We want to remember a few requests this evening. I want to remember Brother Tim and Brother Timothy. They're both ministering this evening. I want to remember them in prayer also for the meetings coming up this weekend. Amen. That the Lord would just be with them. Also, Brother Joe asks that we continue to remember his Aunt Vera in prayer and her health and recovery. Also, Sister Rachel Scholl had a procedure on her eye. I want to remember her as she recovers from that. Amen. 
ask Brother Aaron Oglesby to open the service for us. Amen. If you have a need, just lift it to that God that's good all the time, no matter the situation. Amen. He hears and answers our prayer. Amen. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let's go to him now. Gracious Father, Lord, how we love you this evening, Lord. It, it comes up from our heart, wells up within us, Lord, that we just want to tell you how much we appreciate you, how much we love you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your love that you've bestowed upon us, Lord. Lord, that you came from heaven, Lord, and went and thought enough, Lord, of me. Lord, a sinner, to go to Calvary, Lord God, and take my sins and bear my burdens, Lord, and take the beating that, Lord, that I deserved. Lord, to go to hell in my place, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're so good to us, Lord. Lord, I just want to tell you today, Lord, that I love you with all my heart, Lord. I believe this whole congregation would echo those sentiments. Lord, we love you, and we want to live for you, and we want to serve you, Lord Jesus. Lord, may tonight you just come and move amongst your people, Father. These are your people that have gathered together to hear the words of life. Lord, will you move down each and every aisle, Lord, each and every pew, and deal with each situation, Father, in each heart. Lord, only your word is great enough, Lord, to, to take and divide and deal with the hearts of so many different individuals. Only you know, Lord God, our thoughts. Lord, I believe that tonight you will move in a mighty way. Lord, we're counting on you and trusting you, Lord, the God who has never failed. Lord, a word that has never failed. You said you'd be in our midst this evening, Lord, and we're trusting that word. We're believing that word. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that you're pre Lord, you just have preeminence. Lord, over every need, Lord, every sickness, Lord God, there's no sickness that can stand before you. You've conquered it, Lord. Lord, over every sin, there's no sin that can stand before you that your blood won't wash it away and make it white as snow. Lord, for every person here that may be struggling and going through a cold spell, Lord, may the fire be reignited in their heart tonight, Lord God. Lord, to press the battle and to keep marching on. Lord, there was many needs right across the desk. Lord, I pray for Sister Rachel, Lord, Lord that you'll just heal her I completely after this, Lord, procedure that she's had, Lord, and for Brother Joe's Aunt Vera, Lord, that you'll just continue the work there in her heart, Lord, I pray, in her life. Lord, uh, Brother Tim and Brother Timothy out tonight, Lord. Lord, use them greatly for your kingdom, Lord, in every service that they speak here in the next few weeks, Lord, as they're out, Lord. Lord, I pray there'll be souls one, Lord. I, I pray there'll be people delivered, Lord. I pray that your kingdom will be lifted up, Lord Jesus, and the kingdom of hell will be torn down, Lord God. Lord, that the bars will be shaken and people will be able to go free, Lord. Lord, use them in a mighty way each and every place that they stop, Lord God. Lord, for your glory. Lord, and tonight I pray, Lord, that your name will be lifted up high above all other names, Lord. Lord, anoint Brother Joe tonight that he can just speak freely the words of life. Lord, anoint our ears that the words won't fall, Lord God, on dull, dull ears or on stony ground. But open our hearts to receive it, Lord. Lord, may things of eternal value be done in this service tonight, I pray. Lord, we surrender all that we are in this time to you. Lord, we've gathered. Now I pray that each one of us will put aside our own thoughts, put aside the weariness of the day, put aside what's coming tomorrow, and now give you everything that we have, Lord. We surrender it to you, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Let's sing that song. I know the master of the wind. Amen. I know the maker. My boat of life sails on a troubled sea. And ever there's a wind in my sail. But I have a friend who watches over me.
Ben, but we won't break. Amen. Is that your testimony tonight? Amen. Amen. As I come into your presence, past the gates of praise, into your sanctuary, till we're standing face to face, I look upon your countenance. I see the fullness of your grace. I can only bow down and say that you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. the gates of praise to your sanctuary 
Till we're standing face to face I look upon your countenance I see the fullness of your grace I could only bow down and say that you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. You are worthy of all praise. To you are life. Oh, you are awesome in this place, mighty I will praise the Lord no matter what tomorrow brings. And I will praise the Lord. Yes, I, I will praise the Lord. Oh, I won't be broken no matter what tomorrow brings or what it has in store. what you're here to do tonight so praise the Lord no matter what you face tomorrow no matter your ups and your downs your valleys and your mountaintops we're gonna praise him he's worthy tonight to be praised he's worthy tomorrow to be praised he's worthy in the good times to be praised he's worthy in the bad times to be praised he's worthy and I believe while we have breath in our bodies and uh, we have life in our souls tonight I think we should be able to praise this God that we serve 
Amen. We're going to speak to you tonight on Let Revival Come, part two. But tonight I want to make this personal. Let Revival Come, part two, but I want it to be a revival in me. As I've been studying this, looking over these things and just praying, God, I want a revival in my own life. And I don't say that to mean that I need a one-time stirring. I mean, God, I need a daily revival, a daily awakening, a daily being restored back to the tree of life. I want that personally for myself. Last time we spoke, we kind of made it global for the church and uh, the body of Christ. But tonight, I want you to take it personally as I begin to minister the word, look at the things of God, and let's, let's take our time this evening. Brother Bram said, a man of God cannot bring the revival himself. It takes the people assembling themselves together, and it takes the moving of the Spirit of God, but the people assembling themselves together and praying. So now as we go to prayer, I want you to pray, God, send me a revival. Let there be a revival come in me. Let it not just be Brother Joe's title tonight, but let revival come. Let life come. Let there be a stirring of the supernatural come. The Holy Ghost come in my life. Make me what you want me to be. Father, we come before your throne of grace tonight, Lord. Lord, you see as I have labored over these thoughts and over these notes and scriptures and words. And Lord, pondering how this service would go tonight. Father, I will say I'm completely at your, your will tonight. I'm here, Lord. I've exhausted my own human abilities, Father. With the weariness of the day, the work schedule. Lord, fitting in time to study in between my job and my family. But, Lord, I'm not dependent on my ability tonight. I'm dependent upon your Holy Spirit. You gave the thought. Now I'm asking you to come by tonight, Father, and that you would anoint that thought. Not only the voice to speak, but the ears that would hear, Father. Lord, as we've already given our title, let revival come. But Father, may we each and everyone here tonight, young or old, boy or girl, woman or child, whatever it may be, Father, may we each have a personal revival where we meet you and you meet us. Father, I'm asking for your spirit to come tonight and anoint this service. I'm asking you to anoint every, every ear that would hear, Lord. Those on the live stream, those that are right here in the congregation, may our hearts be tender, may our hearts be open tonight, and may you have your way, Father. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to look here in Psalms 85. Psalms 85, we're going to read from verse 1 through verse 13 tonight. Just trust you had a wonderful day. As I already kind of spoke about, this has been a, a wild and crazy week. We're getting ready for a big meeting tomorrow with our corporate office down in South Louisiana, so I was working late trying to get everything done and uh, was in meetings. I told the brothers I was in six hours of meetings today, and the last hour of the day, four o'clock, I had time to actually get all the adjustments needed for the report, so this is going to be a wild and crazy, uh, it's been a wild and crazy week, and tomorrow we drive a three-hour drive down there, so, but you know what? We're not looking at our own human abilities. We're going to look to the Lord tonight to draw strength from Him. This is his gift. This is his calling. You're his people. So I believe God is obligated to take care of his word. And I believe we're his word tonight. So we look here in Psalms 85 and verse 1. It says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto the land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. 
Thou hast turned thyself from fierce of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thy anger toward us to cease. Will thou be angry with us forever? Will thou draw out thy anger to all generations? Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. You can be seated this evening. As we spoke, we already gave our, given our title. It's going to be Let Revival Come. And we're going to take our thought tonight from Will Thou Not Revive Us Again? Many of us has had a, a born-again experience. We've had an experience with the Lord. And we find that through those times since then, that since that initial experience that we've had or when we gave our heart to the Lord, we've had many, many a hard days. There's been times we've been in trials for, it seems like, months or weeks or years. Then there's times we've had mountaintops experiences. And we find as the people of Israel here, you know, God's wrath was being poured out on them. He began to bring them back and bring them back. And, they, and then the psalmist here is asking God, uh, will thou not revive us again? And I believe that should be us tonight. No matter where you've been in your journey, no matter what you've been going through, the trial that you have faced, I, I believe tonight we can say, God, revive me again. Bring that life that I once experienced. Bring it to me again. And the word revive here is the Greek word chaya. It means to live forever. I think that's what we're called to do, right, church? To live forever, to be quickened, to be alive, to be restored to life and health. But I want you to take notice tonight. When I mention the word revival or revive, I don't want you to think about an event. I don't want you to think about an emotion. I don't want you to think about a, a bunch of euphoria. I want you to think life. I'm not talking about a Baptist revival where we go to a certain set of meetings and we all come back and we're on an emotional high or spiritual high. What I'm speaking of tonight, when I speak the word revival, let revival come and revive me, is God send me life. Let me be alive with the power of the Holy Spirit that this end time message produces. So we find that when the Bible here, it speaks of, when that, will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee. Notice, when this life enter into his people, the people of God begin to rejoice about the goodness of God. Because when that life begins to come inside of you, no longer are you looking at your failures. You're not looking at your mistakes. You're not looking at the hard things that you've gone through, the sickness that's ravished your body. No, you begin to look at God's mercy. You begin to look at God's word. We begin to rejoice in his grace. We begin to rejoice knowing that he's a God that heals. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that sets free. We begin to rejoice in the quickening power of the resurrection I am. So I think when that life comes and it begins to come inside of us, it may be in a service like tonight. You may, some of you young people, may meet God for the first time. I'm not saying hearing about God. I'm saying meet God. 
Well, you stand like Moses. Oh, you heard about how God was. You heard about your calling, but it was all intellectual understanding. But until Moses came in the presence of that burning bush, the prophet of God said he got what he needed or he met what he lacked inside the burning bush. And I pray tonight that some of us had even like tabernacle will catch that revelation that we're inside the burning bush tonight and we can have that personal Holy Ghost filled revival where the life of God, not the life of a creed, not the life of a denomination, but the life of God comes in and begins to surge and bring us into the presence of the living God. But notice it takes the quickening power. We got to first be quickened, and the Bible speaks of that in Ephesians 2 and verse 1. And you, so don't put it off to your neighbor, and you hath he quickened. Otherwise, he is made alive, Brother Sherman. Oh, just a few months ago, you wasn't even in here, but you had to quicken. Oh, made alive. How? By the power of God, through the prayers of a wife. Oh, I tell you, it makes revival just begin to well up in me tonight. I look around, I see some of your faces. I see some of the hardships you've gone through, and I see that you're still here. I see that you're still pressing the battle. I see some of your wives are still praying for a, uh, for a husband or a son or a daughter. I see it. Now, let me tell you, you keep holding on because revival's coming. I say life is coming. We got a promise that we shall be there and our offspring with us. See, and you have to quicken. Don't make this... Somebody else, Brother Joe's faith or Brother Craig or Brother Aaron's. But you, God has quickened me tonight. Who were dead in in trespasses and sins. Notice where you were dead. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among, excuse me, among whom also we had our conversations in time past. In the lust of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And whereby nature of of children of wrath, even as others, but God. But God who is poor. No, but God who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Notice what he did. Even when we were dead, when we were lifeless, when we were no good, when we were rotten, when we was ugly and we didn't have no use. God had no use for us. But even when we was in that condition, God came down and God saved us and God quickened us and God set us on fire. When you didn't want God, God wanted you. When you had no desire for God, God had a burning desire for you. Oh, hallelujah. I think about where I used to be. I think about where I could be. And I thank God that you came down and didn't leave me the way you found me. But you came by my way. You anointed my heart and you turned my life around. Y'all have to excuse me. I get a little bit excited. I love this word. But notice, where does revival begin? Revival begins with one word, repentance. I remember a couple years ago, Brother Aaron did an outstanding job to the young people on repentance. Genuine repentance is a turning away from sin, but it's a turning to something, which that something is God. 
You get so sick and tired of living the life that you've lived or the life that you're living, halfway Christian life, or an all outright, dirty, ungodly, infidel life, and yet you begin to turn from that. You begin to have a mind change, a heart change, and then you begin to seek after God. See, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So essentially the word repent here is a turning from and a turning to. And that's what revival is. It's no longer you dead in sins and trespasses, but now you've been made alive because why? You're turned to God, the giver of life. Well, that's a first. Amen. See? We better drink it before it gets all over the place. So in Acts 3 and verse 19, the Bible says, Repent ye therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. That word there, blotted out, is obliterated. No trace remaining. I don't know about you. I don't know what you've done in your life. But I know for Joe Adams, I need my sins blotted out. You know, I'm constantly reminded every day of what I've done in my past. But thanks be to God that he placed it in the sea of his forgetfulness. He doesn't remember my sins. Though I may remember them, they've been blotted out. They've been obliterated. Why? Because why? I've turned from my sins. I've turned to the Holy Ghost. I've turned to God of this man. I've turned and gave him all that I am. And what did he do his story in return for me? He gave me all that he is. So there can be no revival. No life without repentance or turning away from sin and turning to God. So we find the word here, or the the scripture reads, Now repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshings come from the presence of the Lord. That word refreshing there means revival. Look it up. The word refreshings, how many wants refreshing from the presence of the Lord? Be careful what you ask for. Because you may act the way I act. Ain't no way, Brother Joe. Hey, don't never say never. You get your wood lit, get that fire lit, you don't know how you're going to act. But we find that word, we want the refreshings, we want the joys of coming to church. You know what, I think we should be a people that enjoy our God. I think we should be a people that enjoy our worship. When you find churches you go to and they're all hung down and you feel like you're in a morgue. Let me tell you, serving God isn't a death sentence to me. It's life. We should enjoy our worship. We should enjoy the song service. We should enjoy the preaching of the word. We should enjoy the singing and the specials and this, that. We should enjoy coming together as sons and daughters of God, knowing that we have been changed by the power of God. That's why I act a fool in church. I acted a fool for 20-something years for the devil. I got out on the dance floor and cut a rug, whatever that means, but I cut it anyway. If I can do that for him and then give God only 25% or only 80%, no, I give God everything because he gave me everything. So we find here that the word repent 
I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek word, but it means to turn away. It means to turn. It means to change one's mind and to turn back to God. And if there is no change of mind, then there's no turning to God. And there's no forgiveness of sins, then there is no revival. Because you're going to continue on in the same life that you've been living. So we have to have a mind change. And when we say mind, I want you to think not your mind here, but this mind here, your heart. It's got to be changed. And that's why God sent us Malachi 4 to for what? God sent us a message that would change our hearts and turn us back to the faith of a Pentecostal fathers. Not Pentecostal denomination, but the original Pentecost, the original fire that fell, the original outpouring of God's spirit. That's where we've been turned back to. Let me tell you, that's got to excite somebody. It excited 120 in the upper room that they came out staggering like a bunch of drunk men and women. What should it do for us? And even like Tabernacle, we've been restored back to that. Oh, church, we're not going there. We're already there. There's power in the people. There's power in the word. There's power in prayer. Let me tell you, we demons can't stand before you if you know who you are tonight. But Abraham says here in the message God has provided way, he says, we're promised a messenger in the last days. Malachi 4 said that he would restore the faith of the children back to the fathers, the Pentecostal children now. Getting away from it will bring them back to the original message of the original Pentecost. Even like Tabernacle, that's us. The original. Not a byproduct. The original. How are you being restored? By his life coming inside of you, reviving you. He says here, you call for revivals. You wait for your church to have a revival. He goes, and that, that ain't a revival for you. He says the revival ought to begin right in you. When you begin to thirst for God. So you might not, he goes, you might not be another, he goes, there might not be another member of the church wanting that revival. Now don't show your hands who don't want the revival tonight. Let's keep that to ourselves, okay? He goes, but there might not be another member of the church wanting that revival. But if it breaks out in you, it'll break out other places. See, if you neglect that thirst, he goes, you neglect to milk the cow, the udder is full of milk. If you, if you let that cow stay that way, she'll go dry. That's exactly right. If you neglect to drink water and say, well, I'm not going to drink anymore, you'll die. You'll neglect eating food. You'll die. See, if you neglect to give the Holy Ghost the word of God, you'll die. Let me say it like this. If you neglect to give the word the Holy Ghost, you'll die. So let us not be guilty of neglecting the movement of the Spirit. Let us not be guilty of neglecting the revival fires when God is wanting to send revival after service, after service, after service. No matter who the preacher is, he's sending forth his word. And the word heals our diseases. And the word gives us life. And the word establishes on the word. So revive, if I spoke last time, the word revive actually means to restore to life, to regain life. And revival is the act or the instance, the act or the instance of reviving. So it's actually the act of being restored back to the original. Church, that's where we're headed. There's not another message promised. We're there. But see, it takes, it takes life. 
And the revival is actually the spirit, spirit of God giving life to the body. So you can't have revival or life apart from the spirit because the Bible says the spirit gives life. We look here in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 6. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. Second Corinthians 3 and verse 6. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit give, giveth life. So the letter here is writing or learning or scripture, and it kills. It means to be put to death. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, quickens, gives life. It quickens. It makes alive. It restores to life to give an increase of life. And the message, I will restore, saith the Lord, the prophet of God says it like this. He goes, that's what the world needs today is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, the resurrected Jesus Christ, putting his being into power in the church. The church ain't the pew. The church is not the building. The church is sons and daughters of God. And that's what the world needs to see today is Almighty God putting his power, his being inside of little vessels tonight and making that vessel operate and work by the power and authority of the living God. He says, so no matter how fundamental, how your theology, how you train through the Bible, it doesn't vind- if it doesn't vindicate it, it's wrong and you're wrong. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. See, many people just taking the letter, the letter killeth. The Spirit gives life. They take these creeds and so forth. Still killeth, he says. But when you're taking the Spirit, that's God himself. How do you know it's God? Because he's taking the word and manifesting it. When us brothers at youth camp, when we faced those seven demonic encounters, it wasn't us and our human ability, but it was us being anointed by the spirit of life who was able to stand before those spirits and cast them out one by one by one. You say, well, Brother Joe, y'all had to work at it. It doesn't matter how long we did, but the almighty power of the resurrected Jesus God, he cast every demon out, church. Because why? Because there's life in the body it wasn't the letter that did that it was the spirit of God it was the power of the living God it was men of God anointed for this hour who have been what revived by the power of God he said the spirit gives the word life take your Bibles and we'll look here in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 5 notice now the gospel doesn't come in word only so y'all that like the word, the word, the word, that's good. Keep it up. But there's more to it. He says, for our gospel came not in word only, but in power. And in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance. You don't have to question this God. You don't have to question his word. Because it comes in much assurance. As we know what manner of men we are among you for your sake. Notice. The gospel came not in word, doctrine only. But it came in power, dunamis, mighty works. The ability to do miracles. Oh, come on, church. We've seen one after the other miracles happen right here at Evelite Tabernacle. That should put you on your feet to know that you serve a living God. And not only do you serve him, but that God comes and he's entertained every time you come to church. He's there to speak to you. He's there to listen to you. He's there to hear your hearts cry. Let me tell you, we should be able to have revival because our God comes service after service after service. It doesn't matter.
matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who's singing. It doesn't matter if it's a prophet. It ain't about prophet. It's about entertaining the one who has died for us and bled for us and who gave it, who has given us life in this hour. I say, let revival come and let it come in me tonight. I say, let the power of God come and let it show itself alive in me tonight. He said, the letter killeth, the spirit gives life. See, its life comes by the word made manifest. The word made manifest. If the word is not made manifest, it's nothing more than a dead letter. He said, the church. Let me just skip that one. He says, now the scriptures. How many believe Paul knew the Bible very well? Or he knew the scroll? Paul was a learned man, a Pharisee of Pharisees. But he said, I had to forget all that I ever learned and count it as dung, waste, refuse to know him. So Brother Bam says, now Paul being well trained and knew the scriptures by the word. But you see, the scriptures, no matter how well you know them, if the spirit doesn't quicken them, then the letter killeth. The spirit gives life. See, it must be quickened or made alive by the Spirit. If the Spirit doesn't liven the Word and make it a reality to you, then the letter is just intellectual. And I'm sorry, I don't want your intellectual understanding. See, the problem of the day is we have too much intellectual preaching. Preaching without the inspiration to give life to the Word and make it live. See, we don't need intellectual preaching. We need inspirational preaching. We don't need men who can come up here and get all the scriptures all lined out because they can take a concordance and look every scripture that ties to the previous scripture and look at the Greek and find every other reference to that in the scripture. We don't need that. What we need is the anointing of the Holy Ghost to come by and speak and give life to the word so a man can get completely off his notes and begin to move and deal with hearts and lives and may the inspiration of God come by our way, service after service, and deal with hearts and lives and meet you where you are. Because maybe you didn't want to be dealt with tonight, but he's here. See, men have studied the Bible. They study the message. They can put scriptures together. They can recite paragraphs of the message. See, understanding the Bible and knowing the message are great. But if you don't have the spirit with it, it's death. It's death. We're no more than a denomination. Having a form of godliness, but deny the power of, of God. It takes the spirit. For without the spirit... You're dead, your religion is dead, and your church is dead, and your organization is dead. We want the spirit of Eden Light Tabernacle. I want the spirit in my life. I want the spirit in my home. I want the spirit in this church. Not man's spirit, but God's spirit. See, the spirit gives life, and the spirit is what revives the believer. It gives them eternal life. And when you have that eternal life, you can no more die than God can die. Because the Bible speaks of it. We have passed from death unto life. And that word life there means Zoe. That's God's own life. You have left your life and you've entered into God's life. Or God's life has entered into you. You can no more die, church. So I don't know what you're going through tonight. You should just raise your hand and say, thank you, God. I can't die. I can't be defeated. You're the giver of life tonight. I'm here tonight as your son, as your daughter. If I face cancer, if I face heartache, it don't matter what I face, the greatest trial of my life, I can't die because I got Zoe life on the inside. Brother Bam says, and speak to the rock, he says, the gospel is not altogether the word. He says, the Bible says, go you into the world and preach the gospel. 
to every creature. Not teach the word, but preach the gospel. So the gospel consists more than just teaching the word. Paul confirming that. He said the gospel came to us not in word only, but through power. See, it came through power. Demonstrations of the Holy Spirit would come and demonstrate the gospel. Bring the word to a living reality. Let me just ask you tonight, what use is it to come to church if the word is not going to have a living reality? Why are we here tonight? Why do we assemble if we don't want the word to have an impact and an effect in the living reality in our lives? We could have stopped and went to a Baptist church or a Methodist church or an apostolic church or a Pentecostal church and been done in 30 minutes. But you come and you sit for three hours on a Sunday. And if Brother Aaron's preaching, you'll sit for two hours on a Wednesday. I won't be here Sunday, and he'll, he'll hold you for, we're going to not let go there. We'll just keep moving on here. We're going to pray for y'all. But why do we come? We want the Spirit given a living reality to the Word. He says, if you just receive the Word by knowing the Word, that doesn't do any good. The letter killeth the Spirit gives life. He goes, then you must be born again, and then the Holy Spirit quickens the Word to you. He says, otherwise, it'll just be a, a ritualistic affair. It's not absolutely real. See, a living reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Living among men, that's what we want in our home. That's what we want in our lives. I don't want to be a make-believer. I want to be a genuine believer. I don't want our church to just fake it. I want us to have the true, genuine power of the Holy Ghost moving service after service. When you pray, you know God answers. When there's a need and somebody calls on you, they can depend on you because they know God responds to your prayer. That's the kind of church I want to be. That's the kind of believer that I want to be. So filled with the Holy Ghost. I may look drunk. I may act stupid. But let me tell you, I'm feeling good and anointing a Holy Ghost. Because why? Because I didn't ask for it, but he gave me life. How I love this life. See, that's what the world needs today. The Brother Bam said this in our real story. Says the Lord. He said, the world needs a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Make it personal tonight. Some of you young boys, you need to make it personal. You just going through the motions, you need to make it personal. What I need tonight is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Some of you young girls, that's what I need tonight. Some of you moms and dads, some of you grandparents who's been in the way too long, I need a moving of the Spirit tonight. When we speak about revival, we're speaking about, Lord, let there be a renewing of the Holy Ghost. There's one initial outpouring, but let there be another refilling and another refilling. Every time I walk through the doors of the Even Life Tabernacle, God, let me just get drunk in your presence. Let me feel that anointing. It's okay, church. It's okay to get drunk on the Word. It's okay. When I was up there, me and Brother Aaron and Brother Timothy, man, they, they gave me the last service. I thought, man, they didn't leave me nothing to preach. Them boys preached everything from A to Z. I had to get into the, the family part of the Bible here in the beginning of it, the tree of life, and I had to start my, my scripture reading from there. 
They took everything. But I got so underneath the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I preached Shamgar moment. Because why? Because I'd had a Shamgar moment. I had it where God, the devil, had defeated me here and had defeated me there. But oh, when I recognized who I was. And when you tonight can recognize who you are. There ain't a devil in hell can stand before you. There ain't a demon power that can take you down. Why? Because you've been called. You've been anointed. And it's okay to get drunk. It's okay to enjoy church. It's okay to get excited. It's okay to shout a little bit about what God is doing in your life, in your home, in this church. It's all right, church. It's okay to have church. You let the mockers mock. Let them scream. Let them fuss. Because there's no life out there. But there's life beneath the light tabernacle. There's a Holy Ghost here tonight, and he's ready to move. See, the Holy Ghost experience will manifest life. And where there is life, there's lots of noise. We don't like noise, Brother John. It just gets my nerves all upset. Really? You're going to hate heaven, but it's going to be noisy. Notice. Brother Bam said everywhere Jesus went, there was a lot of noise. You know, when Aaron the priest, when he went into the Holy of Holies, they had around him a pomegranate, a pomegranate and a bell. And it would ring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Oh, I don't want to wear that. How dare you? I got to put on such stuff like that. No, there was a purpose behind the pomegranate and the bell, Brother Craig. When he went inside that holy place, the people had to know when they heard that life, they heard that sound of that pomegranate and that bell hitting together, and it was crying, holy, holy unto the Lord. They knew that their prophet, they knew that their priest, he was still alive on the inside. He wasn't dead. And the prophet of God said, that's what we need tonight is a pomegranate and a bell hitting together, singing holy, holy, holy to the Lord. Why? Because there's life in the church. We need some pomegranates. We need some bells. We need some hallelujahs. We need some amens. We need some people to wake up and let's have church. See, you had a pomegranate and a bell, so they, they hit together. When they walked, they played holy, holy unto the Lord. That's the anointed church of God moving into the holiest of holies. That's the anointed church of God. Your life makes a noise. Whether you want it to or not, whether you're emotional or not, your life is making music. Your life is making a bunch of noise. He goes, I tell you, the only way that there's any life in the church is when a little noise gets started somewhere. Do you know just a little amen once in a while? So I know some of you had a doctrine out there about amens. We don't say that. We just look at the preacher and nod. That's not a pomegranate, pomegranate, excuse me, and a bell. Last time I checked, he said noise. He said amen. And he said oh, maybe a hallelujah here and there. But a head shaking ain't making no noise. Unless you've beaten your head against a pew in front of you. I don't encourage any of you to do that. You'll be laid out. And it won't be with the spirit either. But he says now, he goes, 
See, just a little amen once in a while, a little something, you know, make a little noise. He says, we need some pomegranates and bells feeding together tonight like that with a little joyful noise unto the Lord as a witness that God still lives and God still reigns. He's in his church. He's not above us. He's not just with us. But let me tell you, he's inside of us tonight. Our life is crying holy, holy unto the Lord. Let me tell you, let the noise of the Holy Ghost come. Let the shout of the king be in the camp tonight. Let sons and daughters be excited that God God came down and filled you and gives you something to be excited about. See, he's given us the mechanics. But he's also given us the dynamics. Let's see what time I got. Oh, I got plenty of time. See, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, for our gospel came not in uh, mechanics only. But it also, but also in Dynamics, power. The word dynamics there comes from the Greek word dunamis. Power to work miracles. I'm looking at a bunch of miracles tonight. Brother Sherman, I'm looking at a miracle. Oh, you may not look at yourself as a miracle because you see your failures, you see your mistakes, but let me tell you, I'm looking at a miracle. Brother Jeremy, when I saw, saw me and you, just a few months back or a few weeks back there throwing all your stuff inside the fire. I'm looking at a miracle. Oh, I'm looking at a at, at miracle right here with Sister Alana. Satan said, I'm going to take her with cancer. Within two months, God said, no, you're not. She belongs to me. Amen. Satan's trying to take our brother Kenneth back there with this and that. Heart trouble and heart trouble and cancer. But God said, no, you're not. He belongs to me. That's another miracle. He shouldn't be in the service tonight. But God's power is here. We don't only have the mechanics of the word, but we got the power of the word. We got the dunamis, the miracle-making power of the Holy Ghost tonight. Let me tell you, every demon should back up knowing that you're a son and daughter of God. And when you speak those words on your lips, it's the same as deity speaking. It's the same as God speaking out tonight. That's who you are. That's the power that lays in you. That's the life that's on the inside of the believer. So what the church needs tonight is not more word. We don't need more word. We got all the word we need. We don't need to go past the Laodicea and age. We don't need to read between the lines. Why do we got to do all that? We got everything we need right here and on 1,200 tapes. But what the church needs is to allow the dynamics, to allow the Spirit of God to make that word get into action. See, as long as we push the Spirit off, child, we don't want the Spirit in our service. We'll never have that revival. We'll never have that personal life. See, as long as we, we worried about, oh, well, they may call me a holy roller. They may call me fanatical. How many of you got a sports team that you're a fan of? Oh, I got one true honest soul back here. Come on, everybody that's got a sports team or something that you, you're a fan. Go on, put your hands up. Don't be scared. We all have done it. You know what the word fan means? Fanatical. It's abbreviated. So it didn't make you feel so bad, did it? I'm a fan. No, you're fanatical. But you know what? I'm a fan. 
I like the University of Tennessee. Don't ask me why, but I do. But let me tell you what. I'm a fan of this gospel. I'm a fan of the power of God. I may look stupid. I may act stupid. I may preach stupid. It don't matter. I'll call me fanatical all you want, but he's called me blessed. He called me saved. He called me filled. He called me on fire. That's all I worry about. You can call me what you want. I know what God's done for me. I'm a fan of this word. I'm a fan of the power. I love the word, but I like the spirit. Lord, fill me with the spirit one more time. We find here for many years in message churches, though, they have pushed the spirit of God away. And they stayed on this side. They want word, 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 word. We just laid into the teaching of the word. Because why? Because the era of Pentecost. Pentecost was so emotional. Pentecost had this movement, and yet their lives wasn't converted. But they had to form. And we find that because they went into the ditch of emotions and no word, and we find message preachers now pushing against them. See, we need the word. Without the word, we don't have a message. But what we need is the word quickened by the Spirit. We need the word made alive. We need sons and daughters of God. The word made flesh in this hour. Quicken. See, the letter killeth. I don't want you to die. And God didn't want you to die. That's why he sent you the spirit to awaken you, to revive you, to give you life. But we find due to this era, they pushed off. Now, I know some of you here tonight, you love teaching. You can raise your hands on that and be a fanatical. You love teaching, but don't get angry at those that are emotional. And there's some of you like me, you love the emotion. But I don't get mad because I don't understand teaching. No, it takes both of them together. See, the gift, both the gifts are of God. See, there's teaching, there's preaching, there's prophets, there's evangelists, and there's missionaries. All of it comes from God. I'm not looking at the teacher. I, sometimes I look at that teacher, I'm thinking, how does he do that? And he's probably looking at me like, wow, how does he do that? But the teachers, you know, the teachers, they get upset with the evangelists because the evangelists preach with fire. And those evangelists, we get upset with the teachers because the teachers teach so deep. And we're just wowed by each other's gifts. But we don't need to get upset with one another. It's the Spirit of God. It takes both mechanics and dynamics. It takes the Word, laying it in there, line upon line, precept upon precept. Let me tell you, that's what it takes. But it also takes the power of God. It takes the Spirit coming by and anointing that thing and making it live. Church, that's what we want in Evening Light Tabernacle. I love our preaching. I love the teaching. But let me tell you, give me the Spirit one more time. Anoint that Word and make it live. Let the blind eyes come open. Let the sick be healed. Let those that are taught me to be set free in the service. Notice what he says in the service. We will see Jesus. Today with great intellectual messages. Man, he done got down to our day, didn't he? We can explain it to you. You can see the picture. But see, that isn't what we're looking for tonight. We're looking for the mechanics. And we're looking for the dynamics. See, we got the mechanics of the religion of the Bible so bottleized. It looks like a great big 16 or 35 coach train sitting out there on the track. But if you haven't got any steam in it, see, it takes the dynamics to perform with the mechanics. So that's what we're after tonight, church. See, we have so much mechanics, Brother Bam says, and not enough dynamics. He says, now my body is the mechanics, but my body will not operate without the dynamics of the spirit. So the spirit operates the body and brings it in control. And he says, I find two classes of people. He says, there's the fundamentalist 
They're fundamentally, they know who they are. They got the mechanics. He said, they know who they are. They got the mechanics. They're sons and daughters of God, but they don't have any faith. He goes, then you got the Pentecostals. They got the dynamics, but they don't have no word. But what about us tonight? Can we bring both of those together in our services? Let me just bring it first. Can we bring it together in our own life? So, yeah, I believe God sent us a prophet. I believe his word. Well, you can believe it all you want until the spirit anoints it and makes it live. You'll sit there on the pew dead. See, fundamentals, he said the fundamentals positionally know where they are, but they don't have faith in the word. And the Pentecostals has a lot of faith, but they don't know who they are. What about you tonight? Do you know who you are? Do you know the position in which God had placed you in? He said, that's where Satan has got in. He wants to make it all mechanics and no dynamics. Or all dynamics and no mechanics. He's going to have you on one side of the ditch or the other. Well, I thank God we have a balanced ministry here. To preach is the middle of the road. See, it's okay to know the Bible. It's okay to, to have a desire for teaching and love the teaching. But don't push away the emotional side. And don't, it's okay to like the emotional side, and you can jump up and run around this church, and you can speak in tongues and all that, but don't you push off because other people are not made like you. No, let's bring the two together, and let's have church, inspired church, inspired preaching. He said, Brother Bam says, there'll be a power put in the church. Let me back up. He goes, there ought to be a holy power surrounding, and in the church that'll make demons flee. And I will say tonight, that is thus saith the Lord at Even Light Tabernacle. We have that anointing here. We have the ministry here. We have the power of God here to make demons flee. Not of our own account, but through the anointing of the Spirit. See, instead of that, Brother Adam says, it's become a laughing stock. What is it? The mechanics instead of the dynamics. He says, now there'll be a power put in the church, and now it's coming, that the Holy Spirit will anoint the people till they'll speak the word, and it'll create itself right there. We haven't seen powers like this coming into the church now. I know it for a fact. He says, you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and not doubt in your heart, but believe what you have said shall come to pass, and you shall have whatsoever you had said. Look, church, there's a power. Then it was coming, but now it's here. We've received the final message. We are the final voice to the final age. There's not another mouthpiece. You are the mouthpiece of God. And if that mouthpiece isn't anointed, there ain't another one to be anointed. Let me tell you, God is here in an end time message through an end time prophet to do what? To anoint the people to speak the same words. See, there's power in the church. There's dynamics in the church. There's dunamis in the church to what? To make the word live. To make young people fall in love with God and commit and quit their sinning. Their dynamics are here to anoint the mechanics to put the church in action. He says, now let the fundamentalists, let the people who deny the power of God say it's wrong, but the same power that spoke the world into existence is here in those people that's got the Holy Ghost. Make it personal. He said, the devil's trying to hide you back, tell you you're some little tried down something. How many has he told you that today? You little nobody tried down something. 
Notice now, the devil's trying to hide you back, tell you you're, you're some little trod down something. You're not. You're sons and daughters of God. Oh, I love this next scripture, this next verse, or this next sentence. He says, Deity is not in heaven, Deity's in you. Oh, I don't think you caught that because if you'd have caught that, you may have shouted a little bit louder. Oh, when the devil's come against you every day, this day and tomorrow and the next day and next week and the, the last year of your life, you've been beat down and beat down. But I'm here to tell you tonight, deity is not in heaven. You're not waiting on God to come down. Deity's in you tonight. He has given you a word. He has given you power. He has given you life. All you've got to do, church, is speak the word tonight. The dynamics are here to anoint your mechanics. To put the word on display. The manifestation of the word. See, he is the dynamics of the mechanics. The mechanics of the church is what? Apostles, prophets, preachers, teachers, evangelists. He says he is dynamic. The dynamics that works that. He's the one that anoints the fivefold ministry. See, he's the fire that fires off the gas. See, Moses had mechanics. He was told all his life, you were born for this job. He had this great theological understanding. But when he went down there, brother and sister, to try to deliver Israel, what did he do? He killed one Egyptian. Ooh, big job, Moses. Great. That's what mechanics will do for you. You come into church and you ain't got anointed yet, you ain't got the dynamics to go with it, and you try to witness to somebody, they'll wrap you all kind of up. Because you don't have the reality. Boy, let me tell you, when you get the reality, He'll put words in your mouth. Don't worry about what you're going to say. He'll put words in your mouth. He'll speak for you. So Brother Brown said all that Moses was, all he had was mechanics. See, he said mechanics won't run the automobile. The dynamics will run it. Mechanics don't run the church. It's the dynamics, the Holy Ghost that gets into the Word. It's not a seminary that teaches you the theology and the Greek interpretation. But it's the dynamics of the Holy Ghost in there to set that thing afire and bring it to pass and make it live just exactly the way the Word promised it was for the hour. Let me say, I want the dynamics tonight. Give me the mechanics. God, I got the word. I got the message. But let the anointing of the Holy Spirit make that word a reality to me tonight. Let it be personal. Let the revival come, God. But let it come inside of me tonight. See, he was the dynamics. Jesus was when he put his foot on the brow of the boat. He was the mechanics of the little man when he stepped out there. But when he said, storms, you ceased, the dynamics took over. He was the mechanics when he stood at the grave of Lazarus. But when he said, Lazarus, come forth and called him by name. And the man who's been dead for four days rose again and come out walking. That was the dynamic. When he faced Legion, he was a man, mechanics. When he crossed the sea, weary in his body. But when he stepped on the seashore the next day and he faced Legion. And he said, come out of them. And they went into the swine. That was the dynamic. And Sister Lana is the mechanics tonight. Oh, but one service when she jumped up and ran around this church, that wasn't her. That was the dynamic. And cancer said, I'm going to take you down two months later. It said, no, you can't. Because the dynamics came on the scene. Because she had a reality, my God heals all my disease. 
Brother David Dexter back there had a nine infection, was about to lose his eye. We prayed for him. We believed the same way. But when he asked for prayer, it was the mechanics. But when God responded and gave him his eyesight back, that was the dynamics of the word. Drew Dexter's another one. Little boy, just the mechanics, just going through the stages of life. Never had walked before. But when the dynamics of the Holy Spirit came in that room that day, and a young boy that's never walked before, never crawled, jumped up and began to walk all around the, the house there, that was the dynamics coming to that house. Let me tell you, it's the dynamics coming to our service when Sister Lydia and Sister Atlanta and different ones begin to speak in tongues and the interpretation follows. That's the dynamics coming to the body. It's telling you, I want to revive you, church. I want to excite you by the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't want you to be a dead church. I don't want you to be lifeless. I don't want you to be emotionless. I want you to be a church on fire for God. I want you to see my display. I want you to see my life manifesting the Word and making the Word live. Mariah Pruitt, another one, the mechanics, lost all her hair. But the dynamic said, when I come through the other side of this prayer line, I'm going to put these bobby pins back in. And they're in. God has restored. What is it? It's revival, even like. It's revival. It's life coming to the body. It's life coming to some. Right here tonight. Oh, my. Let me start hurrying up here. You know, Brother Bam says, you know, it's strange that God appears in fire. Oh, how many of you are men here tonight? Now, that means, ladies, you put your hands down. We don't have no problem with gender reveal here. Every man, we love to look at a fire. I don't know something about it. We just stare at it. It's only doing the same thing over and over and over, but we're just mesmerized. We can look at a fire, Brother Philip. You know, I'm. We can look at a fire. He and I can make a good fire with a blower. And we watch a fire all night. Don't do nothing. It just sits there burning. But there's something about a fire. Oh, but you spiritualize that tonight. There's something about a fire. You know what? We may look at that fire, and we, we are amazed at the splendor of it. How it pop, 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 pop. And how it does this, and it has different shadows of light coming through it. But I dare him, Brother Philip, to stick his hand in there. Because you'll get burned by a fire. But I want you to know tonight, this fire that I'm talking about, it burns all the world out. You can't get burned by this fire. It's a consuming fire. It consumes your thoughts. It consumes your actions. It consumes your life. It consumes your video games. It consumes your social media all that and whatever it is you spend your time doing, when you get the fire that I'm talking about, all that is settled. See, he said, Brother Brown makes a statement. Now he says, it's strange that God appears in fire, and I'm trying to hurry. He says, they say that it's wildfire. He goes, well, I'll admit, we got some wildfire, but I have to, you know, I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all, wouldn't you? Okay, hold on. I'm going to say that one more time because I didn't get a full 100% participation. He goes, now, this is your prophet. He says, now, it's, I'd admit, we got some wildfire. You say, oh, yeah, Brother Joe, you're pretty wild. Brother Aaron, you get dancing too. You get pretty wild. We're still working on Brother Craig back here, trying to get him lit up. He goes, but I'd rather have a little, a little. Now, he's not talking about much. I'll have a little wildfire than no fire at all. 
He goes, wouldn't you? Don't you want just a little wildfire? Being starchy is kind of old, ain't it? You come to church, you just sit there. Ice cold. Your spiritual thermometer is 100 degrees below zero. You don't even know why you show up. Let me just tell you, get close to the fire. Start coming closer to the front. Oh, you, oh, Brother Joe may spit on me. It don't matter. It may be anointed spit, but let it hit you. It may set you afire. Come on to the front. Come on up here. And let you can't get warm by a painted fire. And let me tell you, I didn't come tonight to paint you afire. I come to start you afire tonight. I come to tell you, my God is real. I'm not presenting you a picture. I'm showing you Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, church, I want you to know that God is alive. And God is here to revive you. And God's here to seal you. And God's here to save you. And God's here to set you free tonight. I'm not painting you a pretty picture. I'm showing you the reality. We serve a living God. He said the trouble of it is, is with the teachers. You're trying to sit back and say, well, back on the day of Pentecost, this happened. And back there they had this. You're trying to let the people that's cold get warm by a painted fire. The teachers. Now, that's not Sister Amy. And those that are teaching in public school, Brother Aaron. No, it's the gift. The teachers. And the prophet of God's pointing to them because you're pointing back. Quit pointing back. To what God was. And let's point to where he's at today. He's here tonight. He's God tonight. He says now theology. And such an education has took the place. Of the old fashioned mourner's bench. We used to have a mourner's bench. You took that down in the basement. We don't use it no more. He says that's the truth. All the fire that we had on the altar. We put it in the stove. All the fire that we had on the altar, we put it in the stove. And now there's a movement going around the message. We don't want altar calls. You know what my opinion of that is? Because there's men out there that don't have the gift of life inside of them. To preach a people to conviction to want to come to give their heart to God. Or to make things right. And because they don't have that life on the inside of them. And yet they want to push off on those that do. And so they're just completely against it and say, you know what? We don't need an altar call. But you know what? I'm thankful for an altar call. I'm thankful that we can come to God and weep our way to Calvary and have our hearts scoured out and our sins removed. And I look across this place and I look over there at Angel Coleman. And just a few weeks ago, she was right here at this altar weeping her way. What did God do? God came down and deposited life in her, changed her life. She'll never be the same because why? Because we're a church that preaches an altar. We're a church that hadn't taken a mourner's bench, hadn't taken a fire off the altar and put it in the stove. We put the fire in the stove. We put it inside our soul. We put it on the altar. We put it on the young people. We put it on the old people. We put it on the sick. We put it on the dead. We put it on the blind. We put it on those that are demon-possessed. We put the fire there because God gave us a promise. I look around. I see Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew, many years ago, some of y'all don't remember, but in the youth service, I was preaching my heart out. He was going 100 miles the other direction. He didn't want nothing to do with God. He was a little skateboard punk. Thought he was cool. He'd drink a beer every now and then. I hope the parents know that by now. If they don't, well, you can forgive me later. He was running with the wrong boys. 
But he decided, well, if ever they use me, I'll just show up. Something of that nature. And here I was casting that net and casting that net and casting that net. I was casting a net at the boy behind him. And I caught him. But see, God knew who would be in the service. And if it wasn't for us having an altar call and a youth meeting, he wouldn't be here today. But the altar was open, and he came to the altar, and he wept his way to Calvary, and he's never been the same since. That's what an altar will do for you, church. It'll set you on fire. It'll light you up. It'll change homes. It'll change marriages. It'll change your church. A prophet of God said, you give me one or two people on fire for God. It'll do more for a church than 40 revivals. I say, let's get lit, church. Let's get on fire tonight. Let's have revival. Let revival come to me, Lord. Let my heart be aflame tonight. I don't want to be some dry stick in the mud. I don't want to be some cold, formal, starchy believer. I want to be on fire. Abraham said, if your emotion or your religion don't have a little bit of emotion in it, it's dead. It's dead. So you know what you do with something that's dead? You bury it. Or you cremate it. Put it some fire on it. Or put it six foot under. But whatever you do, you get rid of it. Because it's going to contaminate the rest of the body. So if your religion tonight, if your idea of serving God tonight ain't got just a little bit of emotion in it, I encourage you, bury it. You can come to the altar tonight and bury it. Or we can put it in the incinerator tonight and set the fire of the Holy Ghost on it and burn it up. Because it's okay to have church. It's okay to want to worship God. It's okay to be free. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not bondage, not chains, not unbelief, not doubts, not fears, not depression, not sickness. There's freedom in the house of God. Where the power of God is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is victory in the house. He says, so if your religion ain't got a little bit of emotion, just a little bit. You better bury and get you something that's got emotion. He says, now, so we got to have emotions. So y'all ain't got to look at me like a big nut. You know, Brother Bam talked about every bolt got to have a nut. So my wife is a bolt and I'm her nut. Well, we sure have a good time in the house of God together. Her singing, my preaching, tell you what. See, when we get into his presence, church, that cold, lukewarm, formal spirit that you come dragging in here with, you know what you need to do with that spirit? Keep on dragging it. Drag that lukewarm spirit, that cold, formal starch. Well, we ain't got to act that way. You're right, you don't have to, but that's your choice. But you can bring that lukewarm spirit right to this altar, and you can have revival. You can trade that old filthy spirit in, that old religious spirit, that old lukewarm, icy spirit, and say, you know what, I want something that's got some life in it. Young person can say, I can bring that thing. I ain't got to look at pornography no more. I can get something that's got life in it. Oh, mom and dad, that you've been tormented, been depressed and this, worried about this one, worried about how you're going to pay bills, worried about what your kids are going to be when they grow up, worried about, you can bring that old worry spirit right to this altar and have revival and commit it to God. It's okay. At least I think it's okay. Because I got a little bit of life in me. See, we bring the spirit of God in this church tonight, the sick can be healed. 
The tormented can be delivered tonight. The oppressed can have joy. We come in the presence of God tonight. Some of you old folks can be renewed like eagles. Y'all should have just shouted right then. You wake up being gay and every first thing every morning, you're putting this on and icy hot and this rub cream and that cream. Your ankles and joints and knees and backs and elbows. Man, we're a pitiful sod, aren't we? Oh, but we got a promise. We can be renewed tonight like eagles. For one moment, for two hours of our time, we can enter into the house of God where the presence of God is. And the aches, oh, we begin to shake and begin to jump. And because, oh, yeah, I don't feel a thing tonight. Why? Because I'm in his presence. There ain't no creaking. There ain't no popping. There ain't no aching. There ain't no back problem or cyst problem or heart problem. No, we're in the presence of the fire of God. And where there is it, when you're in that presence, let me tell you, church, oh, it's a total bliss. It's a total bliss. He says, now, what makes the drunkard stop drinking? What makes the prostitute cease her evil life? What makes the cancer and disease depart from people and the deaf and dumb and blind and the dead raise up? Explain that. Is that emotion? It has emotion with it. Anything that, that's alive has emotion. And anything that doesn't have emotion is dead. So if you're worship, even like tabernacles, if you're worship, not just during the song service, doesn't have a little bit of emotion, I encourage you tonight, bear with it and get you something to set light to. I done going over time. Can I go just a few more minutes? See, we need a religion that's got life, dunamis, power, life-changing ability, miracle-working ability. See, I'm looking tonight at a word that's able to change hearts and lives. I'm looking at a people that the effect of the word has had an impact on their life. See, we're promised a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Brother makes a statement about a sticker. He says, now, when we get out of fellowship with one another, and I'm coming to a close, just a few minutes. When we get out of fellowship with one another in the church and out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it brings us to a dry place. When you find people that can't make it to church on Wednesday or they make one service on a month, though they're professing, they're in a dry place. He says, now everything, says in the desert, nothing is alive. Everything's got stickers on it. A desert, little piece of cactus with that sticker on it. Did you know what that is? That's a precious little tender leaf. That hasn't had no water. That's a precious little leaf that hasn't had no water. It just wound up so tight till it's just a sticker. And when you see somebody like that, maybe it's a precious soul that hasn't been watered right. And wouldn't have, he says, it would have been a tender little leaf or something, but instead of that, it's wound itself till it's just a little sticker just punching at everything. And you know, finding fault. Don't look around your neighbor right now. This is not the right time to do that. See, the only thing it needs is just water. That's when you look at your neighbor. You need water. I'm going to the back and get you some water right now. See, that's all it needs. He said it just needs water. It just needs a revival or breaking up, a refreshing from the Lord. And it'll unfold 
itself out if you'll just put it in the water. And that's what we have here tonight, church. You may have come and you've got some unforgiveness. You've got some grudge against your neighbor. All you're doing is becoming a little bitty sticker, just punching and finding fault with this. But if I can get you in the presence of this water that I'm talking about, of this waters of life, this fire that I'm talking about, about the revival of life tonight, you'll unfold out into a beautiful little tender leaf. Just a tender, tender leaf. Now I'm going to close on the Welsh Revival. How many of you have ever heard of the Welsh Revival? The Welsh Revival was in Wales probably a century or two ago. This revival brought in 100,000 new converts, according to the estimates at the time, and it spread through the four corners of the world. Notice this revival didn't have big-name preachers. You didn't have your Oral Roberts. You didn't have your William Branhams. You didn't have your Billy Grahams. You didn't have those kind of guys. No, but it started. It began with young people. There was a brother. His name was Brother Reverend Joseph Jenkins. He had been for months concerned about the low state of spirituality in the churches in his area. And he set about organizing conventions to remedy the situation. And he held his first service on December 31st, 1903. And on January 1st, 1904. His challenging messages began to eventually began to affect the youth in his church. And there was one little sister. Her name was Flory Evans. Flory Evans was concerned. She had a question. She went to him and asked him about something. And he looked at her and he said, Miss Flory Lee, have you made Jesus the Lord over all your life? And I wonder about some of you young boys. Some of you young people. Some of you young girls. I actually wonder about some of us older folks as well. Have we truly made him Lord over all our life? said on the second Sunday in February 1904 in a youth meeting following the Sunday morning service, Flory Evans stood up to testify, I am unable to say very much today, but I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. And he died for me. And they said that those words were, is what sparked or ignited the revival fire. Those words spoken by one little 16-year-old girl, teenage girl, on February the 14th, 1904, were the first drops of revival fire. It started with one. It didn't start with a church. It didn't start with a movement. It started with one. I wonder if you could be that one too. They said when the revivals, the West Revival started, there was a bunch of illiterate people just preaching the gospel. The power of the Holy Ghost or power of the glory of God began to fall until businessmen would, on their way to work would sit down at their desks and weep like babies. And they closed their business. Farmers out in the field plowing would sit down on their plows, rank sinners, and raise up their hands and begin to cry out to God for mercy. And Brother Bam says, that's what America needs tonight. It's not... A Billy Graham. It's not a Noel Roberts. It needs tonight is the Holy Spirit moving among the people, claiming the year of freedom. That's right. It doesn't need an organization. It doesn't need a new setup. The only thing that it needs is the Holy Ghost to come in convicting power. But we know that America will never receive a revival. She's been indicted. She's turned down her opportunity. But you have an opportunity tonight. 
We don't need another Billy Graham. We don't need another Oral Roberts. And excuse me if it's hurt your feelings. We don't need another William Brandon. We got the message. All we need tonight is the Holy Ghost coming in convicting power and say, I need God. I need a change. I need the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be the same. That's all we need even like. We need the stirring of the power of God. We need the stirring of the supernatural. And so when I say let revival come, I'm not saying let there be a great big movement. We know that the move is on for the bride. We're in the bride's revival. Draw a circle around yourself real quick. That's where revival begins. Right there. Brother Joseph, in your circle is where your revival begins. Brother Joshua, in your circle is where your revival begins. Brother Zane, in your circle is where your revival begins. Brother Bam said there was a minister going into the town, crossing the culvert, got off his horse, and he prayed, said, God, this town or this place, this city is, is polluted and full of sin and everything of that nature. He said, I want you to cause every man, boy, girl to pass over this culvert to fall in the conviction of God. Said he went into the city and he asked to give the blessing over the meal. And when he sat there to give the blessing over the meal, he said, God, I ask tonight that you let every man and woman that sits at this table to come under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. He said they came, the papers wrote that men would pass over that culvert, stop their horses on the road, and start weeping and crying. And men and women would come to the table, sit down to get their food, push it back, and begin to weep and cry and repent. That's the revival that we need tonight. Where God gets amongst the people. I'm asking tonight to let there be a revival in me. As I end with this, I want the musicians to begin to make their way back. Some great men from America at this time when the revival was going on, they decided they were going to head over to Wales and they were going to find out what made the revival tick. Or they were going to find out the mechanics of the revival because they wanted to duplicate that in America. They were having this great revival. Men and women were coming under the conviction of God. They were giving their lives to God. And so these great dignitaries from America, Brother Jeremy, they came, top hats on, round collars turned around. Jed, they said, they come up, Brother Bram talked about it, saw a little police van with his baton just swinging it around, happy and alone. And they walked up, my good man. Can you tell me where the West Revival is? You know what that police officer did? He didn't say, well, yes, sir, I can tell you. No, he was happy in the Lord. Something had got a hold of him. He says, oh, I'm so glad you asked. He goes, you're standing in the midst of the Welsh Revival. I am the Welsh Revival. And the prophet of God said he was so full of the revival that he was the revival. Let me tell you, even like Tabernacle, when they say, where's the bride's revival? You've got a circle around you. I am the bride's revival. I am the Holy Ghost. I am the anointing of the Spirit. I am the Word made flesh. I am that Word. I am the revival. I've got life inside of me. I am. I am the prize revival. 
You don't have to go to another state. You don't have to go to another church. You don't have to go to another service. You want to know about the revival? Here it is. And it begins in your circle. Oh, if we can just catch a fire tonight. It begins in your circle. Let revival Oh, church, don't you want a revival? You know, we got special meetings coming up in October, but don't wait till then. We don't have to wait till then. Sister Lorraine, we can have revival tonight. You know what revival does for us? It shakes all the cobwebs off. It takes, takes all them, loosen them joints up. Some of you ain't raised your hand in years. You let revival come. I am. Have revival. But let me just read what Brother Brown says, and I'll turn the service over to Brother Mike. I just love this. He says, now, after tomorrow night, after this wedding, I'm going to go into the wilderness. And I mean to stay there because way down in my soul, I feel that I need a closer walk with God. This is your problem. If he can move toward God, what about us? He says, I need a closer walk with God than what I am. I don't just want to walk I try to walk right before him, but I want a closer walk with him. While the Branham Tabernacle is having a revival, I want one myself. I just don't want, to, want it to happen in the building, but I want it to happen in me. I want a closer walk. I want more of the Holy Spirit in me to reflect Christ in me. I want to be like him. And he says, I know that every true Christian wants to be like that, be like him. That's my desire. It's to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. And I ask you tonight, church. Is that what you want? God, I want a revival. I don't want it all out here. I want it right here. Let's bow to him. Father, Lord, as that young, young Flory Evans' father cried out, and it sparked a fire that turned the world upside down back some hundred and something years ago, 200 years ago, Lord. Well, she says, all I know, I don't have much to say, but I know I love the Lord with all my heart. And he died for me. And it was just that one sentence, Father, that sparked a fire that sent a revival on 100 plus, 100,000 converts to the Lord. What about tonight, Father? We said, give me one or two people on fire for God. It'll do more than 40 revivals. God, as I begin to pray and study these thoughts out, Lord, I've been praying for revival. You know the, the trial I've been in for some couple years now, Lord, and it seems like it just begins to suck and drain all the life out of me. But God, I have an absolute tight boat tonight. And I come in front of all these men and women, young and old, boys and girls, Lord, and I say, God, let revival. My hands are up to you tonight. God, I want a revival in my heart. I want to be so changed, God, I'll never be the same. I want to be so on fire for God, Lord, that the things of this world will not draw interest. They'll not have any pull on my, on my life, Lord. I want to be so on fire for God that my own sons and my daughters, Lord, they'll see something different. They'll see the home different, God. My wife will see a man or husband that's different, Lord. Not coming home moody, Lord God, from a hard day's work, but coming home like that young police officer, Lord, on fire for God because he is the revival. 
God, this altar is open tonight for anyone that would want to come, Lord. The morning's bench is not in the basement. We hadn't taken the fire off the altar and put it in the stove, but Lord, it's here. And it's open to whosoever will, Father. I just invite you, Lord God, tonight to just honor your word and back up this message, Lord. If there's a young person asking for a revival, God, I pray you'd fill them tonight. Lord, if there's an older person asking for a renewing, the word revive is to be revived. There's already been initial awakening in our life. But may we come alive again, Lord. I look out across the congregation, Father, I see different ones. And I'm just asking, Lord, in the tenderness of this spirit right now, Father, you'll send revival. In Jesus' name.
the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You are my heart's desire, and I long to
Jesus. 